AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. And if there's something that I could love almost as much as I love movies, it would be The Simpsons. And in this episode, I found a way to combine those two loves. I'm going to share with you six perfect parodies of iconic movies that The Simpsons did back in the 90s. We'll also talk to the director of The Fugitive, and I'll let you know the way those two things tie in. That movie is celebrating its 30th anniversary, so we'll talk to Andrew Davis about working with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. In the movie review, if I could only do one part of this episode, it would be talking about Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Oh, that movie made me feel so many things. And in the trailer park, continuing my Godzilla kick, we'll talk about Godzilla and Kong, the new empire. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being subscribed. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. And now... Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. If you know me, you know that I love The Simpsons. I was born in the 90s, grew up watching them all the time, even when my parents didn't want me to. And I credit any ounce of funny that I have, even if it's just 1% funny, to The Simpsons. And what I've learned about writing and just the essence of comedy by watching the show in my studio right now, one of my favorite things I have in the back wall, if you watch my videos on YouTube or TikTok, is a signed Simpsons script from one of my favorite episodes ever that I got as a Christmas gift. And the only other podcast I could probably do an entire thing on would be a Simpsons podcast, but that would be so niche, even more so than movies, that I don't do that. 
And I've been trying to do an episode like this for a while now, but it wasn't until I had an interview opportunity with the director of The Fugitive. His name is Andrew Davis. And I thought, oh man, the way I learned about that movie was by watching The Simpsons. So I wanted to share with you six times that The Simpsons parodied a movie back in the 90s. And in most cases, since I was still a kid watching all of these episodes, this is how I learned about a lot of iconic movies. Because at the time when I was a kid watching these episodes, I didn't realize that they were doing a parody of something, I just thought, oh man, the Simpsons have the best writing. How do they come up with this stuff? But as my love of film grew and I started to realize, oh, these are based on movies, I in turn would go and watch these movies because I wanted to see what the source material was. So I feel like this probably happened to a lot of people that we were exposed to movies on The Simpsons without knowing it. So let's get into it. Here are six examples of Simpsons movie parodies. The first one I wanna share with you was from an episode called 22 Short Films about Springfield, season seven, episode 22. And the movie this entire episode is really based on is Pulp Fiction. This is one of the best animated episodes of any show, and I'm biased here because of how much I love The Simpsons, but what this episode is, is a series of 22 different short stories inside of one episode. So each story is a minute, a minute and a half, sometimes two minutes, sometimes a few seconds, but it's showing you all the lives of the characters and the thing that's so great about this episode is how they are all intertwined. One scene ends and that serves as the kickoff for the next scene. But what this entire episode really is, is a loose parody throughout the entire thing of Pulp Fiction. Mostly with the interactions with Chief Wiggum, him eventually chasing the criminal snake and they get into this brawl and end up in somebody's basement. And that is where the main focus of the parody of Pulp Fiction takes place. But I just love that The Simpsons always committed to doing things line for line, scene for scene. And this is a great example of that. So here's the original interaction in Pulp Fiction between John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. You know what the funniest thing about Europe is? What? It's a little different Example. You know what they call uh, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? And what do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. And then The Simpsons just did a straight up parody of that in this episode. You know the funniest thing, though? It's the little differences. Example. At McDonald's, you can buy a Krusty Burger with cheese, right? But they don't call it a Krusty Burger with cheese. Cut out. Well, why do they call it? A quarter pounder with cheese. A quarter pounder with cheese. I love this episode. That's why I wanted to share this one with you first. Next up, number two. The movie that they parodied here was The Shining, which came out in 1980. And this episode comes to us from season six, episode six, Treehouse of Horror 5. Now, I could do an entire series on just the horror movies that they parodied in all of the Treehouse of Horror episodes. That is really what these episodes are known for. But I remember discovering The Shining because of The Simpsons and because of this episode, which this is one of their best Halloween episodes ever. It was so iconic that I remember the promos that ran on TV for this episode. So in this episode, much like in the movie, the Simpsons family heads off to be the caretakers of Mr. Burns' spooky winter lodge. And then when Homer gets there, he discovers that he doesn't have a supply of beer and he doesn't have TV, causing him to go crazy. And much like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, goes and tries to kill his family. And the thing I love about the Treehouse of Horror episodes, at least back in the 90s, is they had three different segments that were entirely self-contained. 
So they were able to take the entire Shining movie and take all the best, most iconic parts of that and do it in about six to seven minutes. They covered all the iconic scenes like the blood in the elevator, the twins at the end of the hallway, the scene at the bar in the lodge, seeing the deranged writing on the typewriter, but hands down the best gag they did was the iconic Here's Johnny scene. So here's the original from The Shining. Here's Johnny. And here is the version from The Simpsons. So I put this one at number two. At number three, from the episode Cape Fear, which is season five, episode two, well, you guessed it. They did a parody of the remake, which came out in 1991, starring the one and only Robert De Niro. So much like in that movie, Krusty's ex-sidekick, Sideshow Bob, returns to Springfield to get revenge against Bart after Bart exposed his murder plot, sending him to prison. So in the real movie, Cape Fear, at least the 1991 version, Robert De Niro's character gets sent to prison for 14 years. The attorney in that movie knowingly withholds information that would have had him acquitted. So the entire time he holds it against him in prison. So then he gets out and then stalks this lawyer and his family who originally defended him. So the 1991 Cape Fear was a remake of the 1962 movie and both of those movies were based on a book called The Executioners that came out in 1957. But this episode came out back in 1993 so I really don't remember when it originally aired but I do know the first time I watched it much like the other ones I've been telling you I had no idea that it was based on a movie and it wasn't until much much later that I saw just a still of Robert De Niro in the theater laughing and smoking a cigar that I thought hey that looks a lot like that scene from the episode with Sideshow Bob doing the exact same thing and then I realized oh it's a movie so here's a little bit of that scene in the 1991 movie it's Robert De Niro in that theater with the family They're all watching Problem Child, which was an odd choice for a movie, and he is laughing and smoking a cigar. And this is how The Simpsons did a parody of that. Oh, that man is so rude. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't mind, we're trying to watch the movie. Let me get my head out of this toilet. (laughs) Oh, really? Now that's too much. And I think that right there is a great example of the misdirection I learned by watching The Simpsons because they're doing a parody and in the film they get upset because he's being obnoxious, distracting everybody from enjoying the movie. The Simpsons take that and they do the same thing, but then they flip the script because Homer becomes the more obnoxious one to the point that he gets a rise out of the guy who is ruining it for everybody in this situation that was Sideshow Bob voiced by Kelsey Grammer, who hands down is one of the best voice actors, not just as Sideshow Bob, but he also plays and voiced Beast in the X-Men movies. But hands down, even more so than Frasier, my favorite role of his is when he voices Sideshow Bob. So this one had to make it at number three. At number four, the episode is Bart of Darkness from season six, episode one. Hands down, I think my favorite season of The Simpsons ever. I still have the box set of DVDs, which is how I was exposed to a lot of these episodes, watching them on DVD with the commentary, without the commentary. I know these episodes so much that I could quote the deleted scenes primarily from season six, but that's the episode. The movie they are parodying here is Rear Window, which came out in 1954 from director Alfred Hitchcock. So how they parody this movie is Bart breaks his leg at the beginning of summer vacation, so has to spend the entire thing 
from his bedroom and he becomes really isolated and weird and he gets these binoculars and just starts creeping in on everybody's windows in Springfield. They even do a direct parody because one of the windows he peeps into is actually Jimmy Stewart's character from Rear Window, but much like his character did in that movie, Bart discovers that his neighbor, Ned Flanders, may have murdered his wife and kids. So this entire episode, plot point for plot point, is essentially Rear Window, except he's spying on everybody with a telescope. So that's why I added this one at number four on my list. At number five, the episode is Bart's Friend Falls in Love from season three, episode 23, and the movie they are parroting here is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which came out in 1981. And there is no better representation of how great The Simpsons were in the 90s than this scene alone, even if it wasn't a movie parody. And what I love about this episode and the movie tie-in is that this starts from the very beginning of the episode, and it's something they really don't do anymore of taking big, bold risks like this. And the way that they were able to parody this scene basically with all the major elements from Raiders of the Lost Ark with, in that movie, it's Harrison Ford stealing this precious artifact and then escaping because as soon as he moves it, the entire thing comes crashing down and it was booby-trapped, so he has to get out of there with his life as all these things are trying to kill him. And this episode did a great job of doing exactly what they did in that movie. The way The Simpsons did it is Bart was trying to steal Homer's big old change jar that he had in his room, and as soon as he grabs it, Homer starts chasing him in his underwear. So you have Bart running through the house, and at one point, Homer in his underwear is barreling down the stairs, and he essentially looks like the boulder in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You have Maggie shooting darts at Bart and Homer, much like they do in the Harrison Ford scene. But hands down, the best part is whenever Bart tries to escape from the garage, Homer slams on the door to have it come down. And just in the nick of time, Bart gets through and still has time to reach back and grab his hat like Indiana Jones did. So here's just a little bit of that scene. That is such a great way to start an episode and just a great way to pay homage to such an iconic film, which is something The Simpsons have done throughout the history of the show, even in The Simpsons movie in 2007, working in other movie references inside of that movie. It just shows you how sophisticated their writers are. And if you think, that, oh, the people who write for The Simpsons are a bunch of dummies, in the original run of the show back in the 90s, back in the golden age, they were all mostly Ivy League students, primarily Harvard graduates. One of the most famous Simpsons writers of all time was Conan O'Brien himself, who is a really smart and intelligent guy. But you take people with all that book smart knowledge and make them write comedy, it just puts it on an entirely different level. And I think that's why throughout the history of the show, you have all these references and parodies of movies that you have to be a nerd to understand and to even know where to look to find these. So I think Watching The Simpsons so much as a kid just attributed to my love of film. And now looking back on all the influential films that they have parodied over the years, they are some of the greatest movies of all time that I may not have discovered if it wouldn't have been for this show. Because combined with me rewatching all of these episodes on DVD, 
that led to the first incarnation of Netflix where you would actually go online and get DVDs delivered to your house. That's what I would do. I would just go through this big list of, okay, here are all these iconic movies I've seen on The Simpsons. And now I have to watch the real movie. So the final parody I want to share with you is from an episode called Lisa's Rival, which was also in season six, episode two. And they parodied the movie The Fugitive, which came out back in 1993, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. And it's celebrating its 30th anniversary right now. And I forgot how good this movie was. I just rewatched it. And it reminded me how much this movie attributed my love of thrillers. The movie is about Harrison Ford's character who gets accused of killing his wife, then goes to prison for it. As they are transporting him to prison, the bus crashes and he escapes and becomes, well, a fugitive. And then Tommy Lee Jones' character is relentless in capturing Harrison Ford and getting him back to prison. But the entire time Harrison Ford is using that time while he has escaped to prove his innocence. So it's a great movie directed by Andrew Davis. And that leads us to our interview now with Andrew Davis, who is the director of the movie. He is known for making sophisticated thrillers like this. Like I said, The Fugitive is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. And it just released on 4K UHD for the first time ever. I have a copy now. We get into an entire discussion on why physical media is so important. But the movie went on to receive seven Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Harrison Ford, and Tommy Lee Jones ended up winning for Best Supporting Actor back in 1994. Andrew Davis was also nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Director. In addition to this movie, he also directed one of my favorite movies from my childhood, Holes, which ironically just celebrated its 20th anniversary. So all the movies I know and love getting older much like me. So for my final item on this list, we're actually going to talk to Andrew Davis, how he feels about The Simpsons doing a parody of his movie, The Fugitive, and then we'll get into him talking about working with Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. The first time I learned about The Fugitive was watching them parody the scene from The Dam. I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. I don't care. <gasps> So I got to know, as a director, how does it feel when The Simpsons parody your movie? Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I mean, I knew that I had sort of made the big leaps when I was in San Francisco and I picked up Mad Magazine and they talked about under sludge for undersea. And and then there were then then shortly thereafter was the Stugative. When you when they start making fun of you, it, it's either because they they like it or they hate it. And I, in these cases, they like it. the line they chose to use was the Tommy Lee Jones line, I don't care. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. In the script, was that supposed to be a big moment, a big, because it's a key turning point in the entire movie of him in the beginning saying how he doesn't care, right or wrong, but it all comes back around. Was it supposed to be that impactful in the script? You know, this is a controversial line because I've read articles where Harrison's talked about, well, there were pages and pages of dialogue, and we decided to throw all that out and just say, I don't care. And Tommy thinks he created that line. Jeb Stewart doesn't remember exactly how it happened, but he thinks he created that line. And now somebody found an old draft, a Walter Hill draft, where it says, I don't care, you're a fugitive. So whoever whoever came up with the line, it seems, you know, it, it's it, it reverberates so much because this is basically saying my job is not to decide whether you're guilty or innocent. It's just to bring you in. Mm -hmm. You know, my job is to bring you in and let the courts decide and let the Justice Department decide. And so that's why. And then and then in the story, of course, 
Tommy develops this empathy for this doctor who's still trying to save people, still trying to run an investigation. It does, you know, so he realizes this doesn't make sense. Why would the guy be doing all this if he's if he's trying to just disappear? In the movie, Tommy Lee Jones' character is just relentless. And I got to imagine that Tommy Lee Jones just has that, like, I just picture him being like that in person. So is that how he actually just approached the character and was like around set? Well, you know, he he's a professional actor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's not someone who, who carries that character when he goes home tonight to, you know, to, to eat dinner. He's able to just bring it to the set and, play it on the set. He basically became the, the, the godfather to those marshals. He was the, he was the leader. He was their boss. He was the, it was his family, you know, so that, that helped him have that, that banter back and forth to everybody. I just think, you know, he's a very smart guy who figured out how to, how to, how to have this role be part of him. And, you know, it, this is a role that's triggered many other characters. And, you know, if you look at the Men in Black, that's that's a different version of Gerard to me. Now, in the movie, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, they don't have a lot of screen like screen time together because it's all the cat and mouse game of him trying to capture him. Was there any like rule on set that they couldn't be around each other because it would take away from the illusion? It would take away from that tension of where their character needed to be in that mindset? No, no. I mean, you know, we were together on the dam. We were together in the tunnel. Uh, we were together, of course, at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, but, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you can't get near each other because you may become friends and it'll ruin your relationship. You know, they're, they're, they're too sophisticated to deal with that. You know, they, they really didn't have much time together. Uh, and yet they really appreciated working together on the movie. My favorite thing about the movie is the tension that it builds really from the very beginning, right at the very start of the movie. I'm immediately sucked into this story and I want to take the ride with these characters I want to know when making a thriller like this, how do you create that tension? Is it on the page in the script? Is it in the moment when you're filming it or is it in post where you just feel that tension? It's all of the above. It's, it's all the above. All those elements have to work. You know, the, the basic story and the caring about this guy who's unjustly accused, this guy was there, given as part of the whole basis of Les Miserables going back to, you know, the, the basis of the story that was created here for the TV show that became so popular that we adapted it. Um, and then, you know, on the set every day, we came up with things that sort of enhanced and, and, and embellished what we were trying to do. And then, of course, in post-production, with all this footage available and, and brilliant editors and a great soundtrack, it, it sort of all comes together. When the movie gets nominated for Best Picture and you're up against Schindler's List, do you ever think to yourself, should we have put this movie out in a different year? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I think, how, how are you going to be a story like that and in, in, in a film that was that well made? But, you know, you know, probably if Schindler's List wasn't out that year, we may have won, but it's okay. I mean, but the legacy of the movie goes on. I feel like it inspired an entire genre in the 90s of trying to create a thriller like this. If you were to go back to making your very first film ever, what is the one thing you would do differently about your first film? It's very interesting that you say that because I just came back from a screening of my first film, Stony Island. It's being re-released and we had a screening at the Siskel Center. It's available on all these platforms. If you look at Stony Island, you'll see The Fugitive. You'll see a lot of the textures of The Fugitive are in my first film. And they carried on to other films through Above the Law, to uh, the package, chain reaction. 
those are all films that were shot in Chicago and have this kind of reality of the city and the people in the city. And what's interesting about Living On, the Blu-ray, the 4K Blu-ray is so good looking. Mm. And, it, and it actually looks better than the original movie, I think. And as people can get their hands on that, that, that Blu-ray and get the right player, they can experience the movie. I just talked to somebody who said he was blown away by how, how the quality of what it looks like today. So in some ways, it's, 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 got, it's been reborn. I mean, that is music to my ears because I am such a stickler about quality. And I tell people when you're just streaming all these things, you're losing out on the quality. Or if you're not going to see it in theaters, you're not seeing it the way it was meant to be seen. So for a movie like The Fugitive, when you hear somebody's maybe seen it on their phone, how does that make you feel? Well, glad that they can follow it on their phone and they still care about it. But it makes me feel like they're 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 not getting the full effort in the full effect of what the movie is, you know. So so we're now on a 65 inch monitor with the Blu-ray, it's looking better than it even looks in the theater. So watch it at home, everybody. Get that Blu-ray. My final question for you was working with Harrison Ford. Is there ever an urge to call him Han or Indy at any point? No, call him Harry. That was his name in high school. People came to visit the set who went to high school. Harry, how are you? Harry. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. I love the movie. Hope everybody gets a chance to check it out on Blu-ray and see it how it was meant to be seen, if not even better. Uh, Thanks a lot. Nice meeting you, Mike. Thank you. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's get into it now. A spoiler-free movie review. Today we're talking about Leave the World Behind, which is on Netflix. It's also in theaters. 
<sighs> this is a review that I've been waiting to do. And when I say that, it's because either I was so passionate about a movie and loved it so much, I can't wait to share it with you. The other reason I say that is because I was so infuriated by a movie that I cannot wait to tell you about it. Which is this one? This is the one I was infuriated with because I love movies about the end of the world. One of my favorite genres, I think about the end of the world all the time. My most reoccurring dream is the world ending of things coming from the sky. And I've had that in my life since I've been like 13 years old. Torments me. So I love movies about the end of the world. Movies that do it well, let me say. And that is exactly what this movie is about. And the cast is amazing. The one and only Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali. Those three actors combined alone should make it just all out enjoyable. And then you have Kevin Bacon thrown in there, who I feel is the X factor in that casting because... Maybe if it was 80s, 90s Kevin Bacon, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's going to be great. But now when I see Kevin Bacon cast in a movie, I start to question their decision. The movie is based on a book, and I know that. I'm going to get into some things I didn't like about it, and people are going to yell in the comments saying it's based on a book. If it's based on a book, they should have fixed the things while making the movie that the book got wrong then. But it's also from the executive producer and director of Mr. Robot, which lines up perfectly with the material we have here in this movie. So what it's about is Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are married. They're living in the city and they decide they want to go away for a weekend in a really fancy Airbnb. They're spending a weekend away with their kids, enjoying life. They're out on the beach one day and this giant ship just comes onto the beach where they are. And it's really weird, but they think nothing of it at the time. And then some other weird things happening with their cell phones not working, with the Wi-Fi being down. And this movie just starts to create all of these weird elements and all of this mystery. And then they get a knock in the middle of the night. And it's Mahershala Ali's character, who is the actual owner of the home. And he gives them a story on why he shows up on their doorstep. So this one I have to be very careful with because I don't want to ruin it for you. Because I will say at the start of this that I was still highly entertained by this movie. I would even say oddly entertained by it because, again, I love movies about the end of the world. And then you have Marshall Ali's character who is there with his daughter. So you have them two coming together with Ethan Hawke, Julia Roberts, and their two kids. What this movie did very early, I would say in the first 30 minutes, so I don't think this is spoiling anything. But I realized that the movie had bitten off more than it could chew. And I just it just hit me that I knew that all the little things it was setting in place... It was never going to be able to deliver on everything that I wanted as far as answering all the things. It reminded me of one of my favorite shows of all time, Lost. People either love or hate that show mainly because at the end of Lost, you don't get all the answers of what happened on the island. I am on the other side of that, that I loved Lost. And I believe that it was more about the journey than the destination with Lost. They had such great characters that I bonded with, and I felt like I went through a lot of things through the course of that show, that even though the finale was what it was, I found that the journey getting there, I enjoyed. I experienced something that you can't take away from me, so for me, that entire show isn't ruined because I didn't know what the smoke monster was at the end of it. So in that case, I had a more rational approach. In this case, with this movie, that's two hours and 20 minutes, almost two and a half. There were so many things going on and so much mystery being built that it never really fully satisfied me. Throughout the movie, they're trying to figure out why all of these catastrophic and weird events are happening around them. There's also a lot of tension between all of the characters, primarily between Julia Roberts' character and Mahershala Ali. 
of her not fully trusting him for some odd reason and him kind of having this dark hidden past that he's not being fully upfront with them either. So there's a lot of back and forth between just characters not trusting each other, but also them trying to figure out why they don't have internet. Is it just a blackout? Is it something bigger? And throughout the entire movie, there's just all these things just getting bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger until you wait for it for the big thing to finally happen. And it's fully revealed exactly what is going on here. And I would have to say that I have never wanted to know the ending more while watching a movie. This was one that I was like, I got to see it through to the end just because I need to know how this movie ends. So Credit to them for hooking me in and creating all this mystery to really make me want to finish a movie, which is really important with a Netflix movie right now. They're so focused on their completion rate that this is a movie that will get you to want to watch the entire movie. That being said, it felt like it was doing an impression of M. Night Shyamalan mixed with Jordan Peele. Those are two directors who do a movie like this really well of creating some big mystery and then there's going to be some overarching theme or overarching message that the movie was trying to convey. It never really had its own distinctive style that I was just kind of craving. It really tried to do it through the use of cinematography. Now, if I have to give this movie just gold stars for it, it's because of how great it looked visually. That is really what had me sucked in in this movie that I found myself saying a lot throughout it is how did they get that shot? They did it a lot at the start of the film. The first instance was when the family was driving out in their Jeep to the rental house that there was a camera move that went from outside of the car into the car. You get a glimpse of every member of the family and then the camera is outside of the car. So I feel like that was some trickery with some fake windows. But there were a lot of shots like that that were really jarring Maybe a little bit too much, too flashy that they were trying a little bit too hard to create that style of going from horizontal to vertical inside the house to outside of the house. You also see like all the levels of the house as the camera would pan from top to bottom. So visually, there was a lot to look at. And I have to respect their commitment to making this movie look and feel unique because it keeps your eyes on the screen. It was almost like they filmed this movie in cursive. It is hard to review this one spoiler free because... Primarily, my issue with it was not being satisfied by the ending. And the reason that is, is because for a movie to take me on a two and almost half hour journey and to not have any closure, even if it was based on the book, and that's exactly how the book ends, I was left with cinematic blue balls after watching this movie. Because the story started out with so much promise, building all this mystery and me trying to figure it out on my own by the character's actions and picking up on things. You said this here and you said that there. Are you lying? Are you telling the truth? Are you really who you say you are? And then to get to a point where not only are none of those questions answered, but the grand scheme of things just felt like a waste of time. That is the biggest takeaway of this movie. It felt like, what was the point of going on this journey with these characters to get to this destination that... I wasn't any better off than when I started this movie. And this movie just felt like it was trying to be something else. Like Netflix attached themselves to this story because they wanted another bird box that was going to get people talking by creating this psychological end of world type movie to recapture that energy of a movie that everybody watches and talks about, which I have seen a lot of people watching this movie, but have also seen people having that same reaction I had of being pretty let down by the time you watch it. That being said, even though I didn't love this movie, I would still encourage you, 
If you, like me, were intrigued by the trailer of wanting to give this movie a chance, maybe it's because you love Julia Roberts or Ethan Hawke or Marsha Ali, I still think this movie is entertaining, but I am here just to warn you about a movie that starts out with so much promise and will probably leave you disappointed. Because it's not even that it's a full-on bad movie. In its own right, it's still an entertaining movie and probably did what it set out to do. It just wasn't for me and just didn't leave me feeling good at the end. So based on entertainment value and also based on the fact that you did have a good cast here, the acting was actually on point throughout this entire movie. But being what it is, I give Leave the World Behind three out of five blackouts. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Ah, yes, I am now in full Godzilla geek-out mode. After last week, I shared with you... My 5 out of 5 film, Godzilla Minus One, still highly encourage you to go check out that movie. But now, right after that, I guess they did this perfectly to time out with that, but we got the trailer for Godzilla and Kong, The New Empire. Which, I gotta say, after watching Godzilla Minus One and seeing the trailer for this movie, and even though I love the MonsterVerse, 
It just doesn't look the same. It's hard to go back. It's like how I imagine a dog would feel if you were to give him wet food and then revert back to giving him dry food. They're like, I want the wet food. That is how I feel now about Godzilla. I've seen him in the best version and done at such a cheap price, which now they are saying that it cost even less than the reported $15 million to make that movie. So it is just incredible to me still that you can make a movie that looks like that for so little money, which $15 million is still a lot of money, but not when it comes to making movies. And then I see a movie like this, which is easily going to cost almost 10 times that because Kong versus Godzilla cost around $155 million to make. And by the looks of this trailer, they probably upped it just a little bit because you have so many more monsters running around fighting each other. So what the premise is in this movie, it's now Kong and Godzilla teaming up to fight this other big Kong-like creature who is more violent and just a lot more hardcore than Kong. And what you have in this trailer is something that I was not really expecting to see because when these movies started out, this MonsterVerse back in 2014 with Godzilla, they were a lot more grounded and they were a lot more focused on the human element and their connection with all the monsters in those movies. So whether it be the Godzilla movies or even like Kong, because when you look back on the 2014 Godzilla, which really changed the landscape of the MonsterVerse and how we receive these movies, they were a lot more rooted in the human characters. And with every movie, they've kind of gotten a little bit more and more away from that. And I think that's also what led me to love Godzilla versus Kong so much because it was really just them two being the main characters in those movies. And now here in this trailer, it almost looks like you don't need the humans whatsoever because there are so many monsters fighting each other and Kong and Godzilla teaming up that it almost feels like it's going the way of the Fast and the Furious movies where you just get right to the action and you get to the ridiculousness of all these monsters just fighting. So this movie is coming out next year. Before I get into more of my thoughts, here's just a little bit of the trailer. This world has more secrets than we could possibly imagine. What is that? That's not Kong. Kong can't stop this on his own. He won't be alone. Is that a mini Kong? Ah, uh, yes, it looks like we're getting baby King Kong in this movie. So you have some stars returning like Rebecca Hall and Brian Tyree Henry, who I love. Doesn't look like Millie Bobby Brown is coming back for this one, which I'm really okay with. She can go back and maybe finish Stranger Things so we can all get some closure there. But even she's done with that series, so maybe she doesn't like any of these movies whatsoever anymore. If I hadn't have seen Minus One before seeing this trailer, I probably would have been a lot more excited for this. But I have to say, my palate is just not itching for a movie like this right now. Even though I'm currently re-watching all the MonsterVerse movies, I just finished King of Monsters, and it's just not the same. Like, those movies are fun and entertaining, but to realize that there could be a much more sophisticated version of Godzilla, I'm like, oh man, they should really get some different filmmakers here. But the thing that's troubling me about this trailer is how ridiculous it looks. And whenever they come out with like a baby King Kong or if they did a baby Godzilla, it just feels a little bit cheesy to me. And like I said in my review, I'm not the biggest King Kong fan. I'm much more into Godzilla. I'm not the biggest fan of his look in this trailer. They chose to make him pink, which maybe they're just trying to level him up a little bit. It's like he went Super Saiyan. That references for all my Dragon Ball Z fans. So maybe they just wanted to 
you know, level them up a little bit and make them look a little bit more hardcore. I just feel like they revealed a little bit too much of the mystery of this movie in this trailer, really trying to sell us on the big visuals and all of the fighting and all of the crazy locations that it looks like they're going into. It just feels less and less like a movie grounded in reality. I realize I'm saying this about a MonsterVerse movie, but it looks like it's just grounded a little bit less and less in reality and more so just a bunch of animals kind of fighting out in the middle of nowhere. But there is one scene that did give me hype. And even with saying all this, I'm going to go watch this movie in theaters and love it and take it for what it is. But the scene of Godzilla and King Kong like running together and to think just how much those characters have evolved from being, you know, big and slow and they don't really move that fast, especially Godzilla as he's ripping through cities, to just full out sprinting. That is what I look for in a movie like this. I guess the other problem I had with a look at this trailer is how much it reminded me of Transformers Rise of the Beast. It almost looks hand in hand identical. There's one scene in particular where... Either it's Kong's hand or the villain in this movie that comes out from the ground and it has like this mechanical look to it. I thought I was watching a new cut of Transformers Rise of the Beasts. So these movies feel so similar to me that I think I'm going to have the same kind of experience going to watch them, which Transformers Rise of the Beasts was a fun time at the movies this summer, but it didn't really leave me like wanting more of that or it didn't really enrich my life in the way that the early Transformers movies did. So I just kind of feel like this one is getting away from having any real story to it and instead just kind of being WWE wrestling with Kong and Godzilla. So again, the movie is called Godzilla and Kong, The New Empire, and it's coming out in theaters next year on April 12th, 2024. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that is going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. Before I go, I got to give my listener shout out of the week. I encourage you, if I made your top five most listened to podcasts of the year, to tag me in your Instagram story or send me a DM with a screenshot making your top five. And this week, I got to shout out Silas Pace, who I'm right there in his top five most listened to podcasts of the year. And he said, I'd probably be higher if I put out more episodes in a week. So maybe I can work on that because there's a lot of spoiler episodes that I would like to do really diving into some details of some movies I've watched recently. So thank you, Silas, for being a top listener this year. Thank you listening right now, being a part of the movie crew. What does that mean? It just means you share your love for the show on social media. Tag me in your Instagram story at Mike Distro. Comment on my TikTok. To get next week's listener shout out since we had an interview this week, comment on my TikTok and Instagram with the cop emoji. So many great movies coming out this month, so it's a great time to be a part of the podcast and share it with a friend who you know shares your love for movies like we all do on this podcast so they can be a part of the fun. Thank you, and until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.